Amen. I remember earlier when I was telling Nizar the title of the sermon, which you will hear in a bit. He was like, hmm, okay. But because of time, I'm not going to hesitate. And for the people that don't understand Patwa or Jamaican language, there may be times when I cross over, so please bear with me. And you can juke beside somebody is that Jamaican and they interpret for you, Sakena, interpreting in the house. And I pray that God will have his way. Amen. Praise God. We're talking about times and seasons. And we know the theme scripture for this segment, which is Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 11. And because of time, I'm not going to go into it. But Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 3, 1, it says, For everything, everything, not just some things, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under the heaven. And looked at another meaning for matter, activity. So for every activity, everything that occurs, everything that happens in life, everything has a time and a season. And Omar shared last week about Kairos and Kronos, about Kairos being the time, the here and the now, and Kronos due duration. And one of the things that I was really looking at was the importance of time because we say time is important so much you know everybody will say time is important time is important but the thing is is it really important to you if i should ask everyone have you insured your iphone the people like omar that loves iphone some of you will say yes shaniki say no if i ask you have you insured your car that you drive yeah, be careful, be mindful, then you don't, yeah? And you insure it because it's of some value, right? It's of value. It's of importance. But my question is to you is, where is it that you can insure your time? Where is it that you can insure your time? You buy a 30-inch TV from, let's say, August. You go home. You know, the TV quality is not like what you want it to be. And you feel comfortable because you have your 14-day grace period where you can bring it back. But your yesterday that you're not happy about, the yesterday that you spent doing nothing, the yesterday that you are complaining about the ex-partner or the ex-this or the opportunity that you didn't take because you were saying tomorrow I will do it, what store can you go to and say, you know what, I didn't like how I spent my yesterday, so can you refund it to me please? There is nowhere that you can do that. So my question is time really of importance to you. I was thinking also about when you look at a headstone, there is two significant times that are there. The DOB, the day of birth, and the DOD, the day of death. And there's a little dash. It doesn't tell you much. That's the duration, right? That little dash in between doesn't really tell you much of what occurred in that individual's life. So you look at the headstone and you see the specifics of the day of birth and the day of death. But what is really important is what is the dash in between? What is that dash representing in your life? That dash. What can someone say about that dash that is on that headstone? I was reading a, an article and it was talking about how you look at the representation, representations of time and season in a basic way. And if you look at your watch, your watch will give you a specific time. So they look at your watch as a representation of time. You, somebody asks you the time, you will say three minutes past three or ten minutes to two. Or if I look at that clock, it's saying fifteen past three. 
When you think about seasons, it's like looking at a desk calendar because it gives you a duration. The calendar takes moments in times and lays them out before you so that it covers a duration, an extended time creating seasons. And then the question came, so what is your focus on? What is revving your heart? Is it time or is it season? Is it Kairos or is it Kronos? And Omar spoke a lot about how you know you should pay attention to your here and now. The unfortunate thing is a lot of people don't pay attention to their here and now in the right way. They pay attention by looking at the negatives but not the season they're in. They look at the negative, the time, the situation at hand, but not really address the season that they're in. The Bible tells us that hope deferred makes the heart weary, makes it sick. And many are going through sickness and weariness and depression and anxiety and all of these things because they feel like they no longer have hope. And the reason why they feel like they no longer have hope is because their joy and their happiness is tied into the goals that they have set and the things that they desire to achieve as opposed to having hope in God. And so when you don't get that thing that you're desiring and that thing that you achieve and it doesn't seem like it's possible, joy and unhappiness keeps draining away from you because you feel like I cannot be happy and I cannot have joy until there's money in my bank account, until I have free houses, until I marry the right husband, until I'm walking down the aisle and your, your joy and your hope is connected to these things. And Lauren touched on it a bit, but those are vanity upon vanity and those won't last because when you go to the grave, you can't bring any of that with you but your hope and your joy is tied into your goals and you can't get to live in the now moment because your mind is so focused on the time running out factor that you cannot get to enjoy the now moment the Bible says seek ye first the kingdom of God and every other thing shall be added unto you so my question is, what is it that you're seeking first? Because many a times we tend to flip it on the other side and we seek he first, the things of the earth first. And then we say, God, when you give me this, I will serve you. When you give me the right husband or the right wife, that is when I will serve you. So you've turned it the other way around to suit how you feel at that given moment. And that's where we miss it. And so we wonder why we are going through anxiety, why we are depressed. Why is it that we are comparing ourselves with others? Why is it that we are looking and we're waiting? And for many people, they turn fasting, they change. You know, I've learned about etymology, Omar, doing all of these things. And they turn the meaning of fasting from what it actually means because they think that when they fast, the thing will come faster because it's fasting. So you continue 30 days fasting, 40 days fasting, because what I want is going to come quicker, but there's times and seasons. Because of how you're looking at the here and now may cause you to miss the essence of the season. The purpose of the season right here and right now, and I'll touch on that a bit later, but I just want to encourage you and remind you that what it is that you're going through right now does not define you. It does not determine what your future is going to hold. It doesn't define you. Omar told us about icon, and the thing is, some, so many times we're so busy trying to be the I-C-O-N that we forget that we are meant to be the E-I-K-O-N, and so that is what we tie our heart and our joy to, and then we get disappointed. You pay so much attention to time running out on you. I've not yet accomplished this. I'm going to be 40. I'm going to be 50. But yeah, it's making you miss what God has for you right now. And many times God has opened the door in front of you, but you're so busy contemplating about what has passed you. You're so busy contemplating on the opportunity that you missed. You're so busy contemplating on the person that you didn't get to marry. And God is saying, but I've opened the door here for you. But you're not looking at what God has created for you at that moment in time. And you know why? Because it's not coming to you in the package that you believed it was going to come in. 
So you miss it. You miss it. Looking at the past and missing what God has ready for you in the present. <laughs> A bit like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all of those people that when the Messiah came, they looked at him and they didn't get to tap into the power of who he was, who he is. They didn't get to tap into the power. You know why? They're looking, they're looking for somebody completely different. So they missed the opportunity. Thank God, for, thank God for those that didn't. They missed the opportunity. How many opportunities are you missing because it's not showing up in the way that you want it to show up? How many opportunities you're missing? God is bringing to you the right woman, but because she's not the type. Because she's not the type. You miss the opportunity. <laughs> you miss the opportunity. <laughs> God is saying, don't just pay attention to the time. <laughs> Don't just pay attention to the time. One of the things that we tend to do is we pay so much attention to our challenges. And guess what? It's not the challenge that is what's important. It's not the challenge that matters. It's how you deal and how you operate in that challenge is what matters because the way that you act will be the result that you get in the end. So you spend time focusing on the challenge, but not focusing how, on how you are operating during that season. You see, God is saying, don't just pay attention to the time, but the season. Because if you know and understand the season, you will know the seed that you need to plant that will germinate, that will come right in its season. In its season. Can we bring up Psalm 1 verse 3? I've read this scripture so many times and it only came to me just this week when preparing for this sermon it says that he is a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in what does it say in your season it's season and we tend to miss that little word it's season you know, we have this funny way of overlooking the things that don't sound right for us. We overlook it. It's season. That means that there's a designated season for which, which that thing that you're waiting on is going to come forth. There's a designated time. But the problem is we don't want to wait for that designated time. We're telling God, God, you're taking too long. You're taking too long. When you look at seasons, farmers don't just plant anyhow. They don't just plant anyhow. They know what seed to plant when so that the fruit comes in its right time. So that the fruit comes in the season. But they don't just plant the seed and then go back the next day and say, oh, there's a tree. They know that there's a waiting process. A waiting process before that seed becomes the crop. But many want to plant today and see the crop tomorrow. You want to plant today, see the crop tomorrow. Which takes us to our anchor text. We're just starting. <laughs> I'm going to move fast because of time. Can we bring up Genesis 16, 1 to 5, please? Genesis 16, 1 to 5. And, you know, a little backdrop before we read this. We're, we're seeing a man here in chapter 12. We're seeing a man here called Abraham, recognized as a friend of God because he conversates with God. He speaks with God. He asks God questions. God replies him. He's seen as the father of faith. We see God calling him in chapter 12 and telling him, get up and go to a land that I will show you. So he doesn't even know. And God tells him at this point that I'm going to make you a great nation. Families of the earth is going to be blessed through you. And then in chapter 15, we see him having another conversation with God. And he's like, God, what's happening, man? You told me that we're going to be a great nation. Wagwan. Sorry, what's happening? <laughs> right? What's happening? I'm still waiting. Sarah, Sarai at the time, not Sarah, is getting old. 
And many of us, we've been there. Time's going. I've gone to uni with some people and now they're driving flashy cars. They have the big job and I'm still waiting. And they're not even going to church and I'm going to church and I'm not seeing anything happening. God, I was obedient to you. You told me to get up, go to a land. I didn't even ask you no questions. I just went. And yet I'm seeing everybody else popping children left, right and center. And I'm here waiting. I'm here waiting. And in chapter 15, he doesn't just make him a promise. This time he makes him a covenant and he says, go outside and look in the sky and all the stars that you see. I don't know about you, but when I was in Jamaica growing up as a child, I went out there numerous times trying to count the stars and all now I've reached anyway. I don't know if anybody else has tried it, but I have literally tried to count the stars. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed God. So now let's go to the anchor scripture. Genesis 16, 1, 5. It says, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And the same Abraham that believed God listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abraham had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abraham, this woman, I could slap her if I was there. May the wrong done to me be on you. But hold on, who had the idea? I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. Hmm. Do you know many times you have had a conversation with God and God has told you that he's going to do X, Y, and Z. And you run down the road and you have a conversation with someone else. And you, by the time they speak to you, you are like, yes, that's what God was talking about. It wasn't. It wasn't. God told Abraham, and I remember Caitlin saying that at times we pray to God and we ask God for things and we don't go back and have a conversation with God like, God, you know, what's really going on? Da, 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 da. But one thing I want to show you, Abraham spoke to God all the time. So my question is, wouldn't this be a crucial moment for him to go back and say, God, you know, my wife Sarai has said X, Y, Z, should I do it? I don't see any record, and if I'm wrong, Omar will let me know later. If there was any record of him saying, at this point, let me check in or check in with God. And you know the reason why? Because really and truly, deep down, we always want our desires to be met. Here, Abraham doesn't say nothing. You know why? Because it looked good, it sound good, it feel good, not just in one way for Abraham, it's going to be in two ways. And so he goes along with it because in the end he's like, yeah, maybe, just like Sarai said, maybe this is what God wants to do and this is how God wants to do it. And God has told you something and because you don't really want to wait, you decide that God, guess what? Something has showed up that looks good, that sounds good, that feels good, but it is not of God. God that's the thing how many times have you gone for things that look good sound good feel good but it's not of God you know we manipulate the things a little bit so that they fit into what it is that we desire and we say God was the one that sent me on this journey because we want God to be along with it so we make the plan and then we turn around and say God you are in the plan with me but you didn't ask him you did the plan first and then you prayed later and you want God to bless what you have created manipulate the tactics to get our own desire he had ample time he could have gone and said God you know is this really what I should be doing but the problem was fear 
That was a problem. And many a times that we're struggling, it's not because we can't wait. Fear comes and we think that time is running out. And so we look for alternatives. We look for ways to help God. God didn't ask you for his help. He didn't ask you for your help. He said he's going to do a thing. Just be patient through the process. He didn't ask you for your help. God, you know what? I know that a lot of people are praying. There's so many people in Ark 2.0 that are praying. So maybe I'm down the list. So maybe if I help you, I'm making the job easier for you. Then you can take me off the list because I, I am able to do it in your own strength. <clears throat> I just forgot I didn't say to you the theme. <laughs> Force ripe. Force ripe. Some may be saying, oh, it's the first time I've heard that word. Check the Caribbean people. Because when you are a child and you start to behave before your time, they say, girl, go and sit down. You're too force ripe. So let me give you the meaning. Force ripe means to prematurely ripen something prematurely ripen prematurely ripen i'll give you a little story about alicia my little one she loves mangoes oh god she loves mangoes i call her the mango girl so when we go to jamaica she knows that i definitely need to secure mango and i remember one day we were driving and she was seeing all of these mangoes because normally we're lucky enough to go in the mango season and we're like <clears throat> Her dad said to her, Alicia, no, 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 I'm not getting you those mangoes. And she kept on and on. She's passing all of these people like, Dad, why? You know that I love mangoes. And the reason was because we knew that at that time it was not mango season. And so the mangoes that were there were mangoes that were force riped. They were forcefully ripened. And the dad was saying, but she couldn't understand. As far as she's concerned to her, I'm calling on my daddy for something and he's not paying me attention. And many of you are doing that. You're praying and you're asking God for something. And you're like, God is not listening to me. But it's not that God is not listening to you. He knows that what you're asking for is not right for you. It's going to damage you. It's going to destroy you. But you don't know. He's saying, I know all the strands of here that is upon your head. So I know what is good for you. I know what is right for you. And I know the designated time that you will get it. Because if I give it to you now, if I give you that right husband now, if I give you that right woman now, you're going to damage the relationship because there's characters in you that need transforming there are ways in you that needs changing you're not you're not a husband material yet you're not a wife material yet he's saying the business that you're asking for he knows that you're gonna damage that business and he's saying don't worry i have set up some people at the right location to tap into that business when it is the right time so don't move yet hold on hold on don't move yet don't move yet so Alicia is worried about the mangoes and the dad is now trying to explain to her what happens with these mangoes and all of these things and as far as she's concerned she's getting anxious anxiety right anxious because she's going closer to home and she's thinking I'm going closer to home so my chances of getting this mango is less likely and some of you you're in the same situation you're looking at time and you're saying I'm getting older God I'm waiting and anxious anxiety is coming <laughs> and the father is saying to her Alicia the mango looks good on the outside the mango looks good on the outside but by the time you go in there are some worms that I know is there I know it's there and some of you your God is saying yeah I'm gonna give you that person and yeah you're saying the man go looks good the man go looks good on the outside on the outside he looks good on the outside God said he's gonna give you someone and you want to put God in the process so you say God he's walking with a Bible he's saying hallelujah he's going to church and God 
God is saying you are seeing the outside but there's some little things on the inside that you don't know about that is going on and I'm saving you from it I'm saving you from it those good-looking opportunities but I'm saving you from it because you don't know what is going on in the inside and so because you are you can't wait and you're so impatient you come out of alignment with God you get dislocated 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 driving the trains for anybody that well maybe don't know about the trains I was a train driver Victoria line automatic trains and they read codes because they're automatic so it'll be able to drive on its own so they read codes and so there's times when the train becomes dislocated because the track stops reading the codes from the train a train on a Victoria line goes normally at 70 kph very fast but when it becomes dislocated we have to go into manual mode so we're driving on our own in manual mode and then we can only go at 15 kph and so you're wondering why you are going at 15 kph because you're dislocated you're out of alignment with god god is no longer on the journey with you because you decided to remove yourself and so you're not moving at the potential of what god has created you to be you're and you're wondering god why am i struggling hold on god didn't move you moved God didn't move. God is still God. He's the same God of yesterday, today, and forever. He didn't move. He's still there. And you're wondering. You're running a race for which you're already disqualified. Running a race for which you're already disqualified because you started the race and instead of running by grace, you're running by comparison. So you're looking at the other runners and whilst you're looking at the other runners, you're slowly coming out of your lane and going into somebody else's lane, running somebody else's race and, and you've lost and you're putting all your strength in. But guess what? You're in the wrong lane and God is saying come back to your lane because there's some hurdles that I need you to jump over because I need to build your character he's saying there's some hurdles that you're gonna fall but don't worry get back up the pace may look like it is slow but trust me once you build that character you'll be moving at a pace where his, his name will be glorified running grace as opposed to comparison Running a disqualified race. You see, seasons refer to the long-term perspective of how you decipher and process all of these moments that you're going through. And the best way to go through them is leaning into your relationship with God. And I pray that you're leaning in stronger than ever. Leaning in more into God than the momentary situations because guess what? There are time and a season is going to pass after a full stop there's a capital letter another sentence begins in fact the discipline we impose upon ourselves in these times will determine how the season plays out i want to share a few things with you one you need to know and understand the season and the time that you're in you need, to, you need to know and understand because when you know and understand the season that you're in then you will know and understand how to operate in that given time i remember arc fg was doing a theme around um discerning the times and they spoke about the sons of issachar first chronicle 12 32 could you bring it up please first chronicles 12 32 and it says of Issachar, men who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. You see, the sons of Issachar had analyzed their times and they had perceived correctly what those times were all about. They knew what to do because they understood what was happening. How many times do you really take the time out to understand that season that is happening around you? What is actually happening around you? You see, it was obvious to them that Saul was not a good king. There was no, there was no dynasty established. 
to keep the kinship of the tribe of Benjamin. But knowing what to do gave the edge. And sometimes we're not going to always know what to do because that's where fate comes in. But when you know the season that you're in, then you know how to kind of posture yourself. What do I mean by this? We pray and we say, God, you know, help me, fill me with the fruits of the Spirit. Or you're going through a moment where you say, God, help me to grow in patience. I'm waiting, Lord. So help me, help me, help me increase my patience. And you pray the prayer, you ask God to increase my patience. But then you don't want to wait. Then my question is, how can you increase your patience? Or how can you know that your patience is being increased if you don't go through the test of waiting? But you want him to grow your patience, help you. But it's in that waiting season that your patient muscles is being stretched and worked and strengthened. We sing refiner's fire. Make me gold, but you don't want to go through the fire. You want to be gold, but you don't want to go through the fire. Explain it to me. Make it make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? You want to go through the, you want to be gold, but you don't want to go through the fire. Every age has its unique challenges. You can overcome with the right mindset, and, but you have to understand the seasons you're in so that your heart posture can be in the right place. Your heart posture is very important. They were telling Job at one point, curse God and die. But Job knew that it was a season. It was a season. The interesting example with the sons of Issachar, you know, circumstances were changing as David was about to be crowned king. But what was important was that the word understanding there that we read in our text means to really have insight or act with prudence. They knew correctly the times and what the times were about. They knew what to do because they understood what was happening. And every generation, every generation needs that. The second point that I want to share with you. Stop using intellectual knowledge to determine God's timing. Stop using your intellectual knowledge to determine God's timing. Genesis 17, 15 to 17. Because of time, I'm going to just read it and go through. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. This is the important bit. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Intellectual knowledge. Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? Intellectual knowledge. Right there, he just put his circumstances above the power of God. How many times have you done that? Where you've put your situation, where you've disqualified God. You're basically telling God in his face, God, you're not as big as this problem that I'm facing. That is literally what you're saying. You're saying, God, you're not as big as my problem. You can't solve this. Or you want to use what the scientist says and what the doctor says. But the Bible says, whose report do you believe? Whose report? It's that moment when the doctors can't do anything. That's where God's miracle starts. That's where his miracle starts. That's where his glory is seen. If Abraham and Sarah had children when they were 30, it would be like nothing. Intellectual knowledge, that's normal. But God's glory needs to be seen. And sometimes you have to be a catapult. And in order for a catapult to be shot forward, it needs to be pulled back. Because when you let it go, then you will see how far it can go. And there's moments where God has to pull you back. Because all you're doing is relying on your own strength. On your own understanding. God, how can I apply for a managerial job? I've never even worked in my life. And? God, how can I, how can I get X, Y, Z? I don't have... And? <laughs> don't limit God. Don't look at your own capacity because looking at your own capacity and your own capability will make you forget God's ability. God's greater than your capacity. 
We also see again, Sarai does it as well. She laughs. When angels come to tell her, yep, you're going to give birth. She laughs like, who, me? Me, when I'm so old now and I'm not even enjoying pleasure anymore. <laughs> I'm not even enjoying pleasure anymore. The Bible says she's no longer doing the thing, no longer of the things of a woman. So she's not even in menopause. She's in menopause. Stop. Not even in menopause. Menopause. Stop. But that's where God's glory has to come. So when you're sitting and you're saying to yourself that I can't achieve this and I can't get that because of my past, because I'm damaged, because people have put a stigma on me, because of X, Y, Z, because society has said you need to have X, Y, Z in order to achieve this. They don't know the God that you're serving. You know the God that you're serving. You know the God that you're serving. So when they look at you and they tell you that the sickness that you're going through is incurable, you will say, you listen to them. You're not going to disrespect, you know, their position as a doctor. But when you go in your closet, that's when you're talking to God and you say, God, they say the sickness is incurable, but I know that you're a curable God. I know that where they say it's impossible, that you are a God of possibility. That you're a God of possibility. I remember when my husband was coming to this country, I didn't even plan to be sharing this, but when he was coming to this country, the, the lawyer told me, it's, 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 it's a closed case, it's not possible. It was so bad, the law firm didn't want to take the case. She had to go and find another barrister from a different place that she knew, because I said to her, listen, I don't know about your other clients, but you see for me, I'm a woman of faith. And already in my wardrobe, I've cleaned out one side because that's the side that my husband's clothes is going to be hanged up. I don't know about your other clients, but I've already gone and bought my husband's jacket and it's hanging in the side and that's what he's going to wear when I pick him up from the airport. So I don't know about your other clients, but I know about the God that I'm serving. And up until a few years ago, she called me to really find out, oh, you know, what's really happening? She calls me woman of faith. I don't even think she remembers my name, but hey, because why? Her own intellectual knowledge. And I'm not knocking it. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying not listen to your doctor. That's what I'm saying. But I'm saying speak to God because he has the final say over you and over anything that you're doing. He has the final say. Don't forget what God has already done. There's many of you that sit in here with testimonies and you look at them as if they're small. That thing that you're saying is small. Somebody else was facing the same thing and they took their life because of the very same thing that you overcame and you think it is small. And it's not small. But somehow along the journey you forget what God has done. The Israelites, they come to the Red Sea. It's parted, they go through. Then they, you, you see a Red Sea parted in front of you and you've walked through it and your enemies have died and you're arguing about bread. Man, I'd be on a fasting period. I would be on a fasting period because I'm like, what? So this is a God that is fighting for me and you're arguing about bread and he still sends you manna from heaven. You stand up and you're seeing stuff drop from heaven and you're still, you're still contemplating. And that's what many of us are doing, not us. Me not do it anymore. I'm not doing it anymore. English, girl. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing it anymore. Right? You're arguing about the little things when God has done something so big in your life already that you don't have to doubt him. But we so easily forget on the journey called life because of the seasons that you're going through. Because of the seasons that you're going through. <laughs> Problems make you forget God's promise. You forget God's promise. The Israelites did it. They forgot that they were on a journey going to the promised land. God shows me that. I, I, I don't really mind what I'm going through right now, God. The, the problem is because many don't see where it is that God's taking them, they don't trust the journey. And so they don't trust the process. And so they find it hard to be patient in the process because they don't trust the fact that they can't see where they're going. That's the problem. We love too much control. We need to always see where we're going. But then where does God's glory come in? Where do you start then leaning on God? Where do you start doing that? 
right up there relying on God instead of your own strength and your ability because of your past you feel like you're no, no longer entitled to the promises of God oh God you know I had done some very bad things in my past and did God tell you that he's sitting down marking the record of wrong the Bible tells us that he doesn't think the way we think and so you may be saying, if somebody hurt me like the way I've hurt God or the way I've done things in God's face, then I wouldn't be giving him anything. But that's you. That's not God. So you're looking at your situation and your past and you're thinking, God, I've made so many mistakes. So there's no way you're going to bless me. Hello? There's no way you're going to bless me. But God is saying, I don't think the way you think. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. <laughs> We are spiritual beings having an earthly experience, not earthly beings trying to have a spiritual experience. We're not. You see, that trip through the wilderness should have taken the Israelites a few weeks. Instead, it took them 40 years. They looked at real time and developed a stopwatch that stopped them in their tracks. <laughs> Had they kept their focus on the season instead of the real time, they would have remembered that God was leading them to the land he promised them. They would have remembered the Red Sea moment. Some of us need to take a stop and remember the Red Sea moment. The third point, the season you are in is preparing you for the next season. When we look at the story of Joseph, he had to go for a period in time. Yes, he saw the vision of where God was taking him, but I believe that if Joseph knew the, 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 the challenges he would have had to gone through to get there, maybe he would have said, God, no, not me. And that's why he can't trust us to show us something sometimes because we maybe wouldn't do it. But the thing with Joseph, when you stop and you think about it, it, it took nothing for God to take him at that young age and put him in a palace. It took nothing. God could do that with his eyes closed. But God knew that he needed to go through the process in order to develop some characters that would sustain him when he gets to the palace. And that is what God's doing with some of you. He's taking you through a process because he knows where it is that you're going and there's certain characters that you need to develop during that process. The seasons of life are, they're transitional. We go through and, you know, how they impact us depends on how our mindset is at the time and the actions that we take. And the amount of, you know, time it takes to move through each season can sometimes be a reflection of our actions and our state of mind. The seasons are about the process of transition from one set of circumstances to the next. Allowing us to evolve. You see, the mindset allows us to make the best possible use of what we have. And that's what many are not doing. You're not making use of what it is that you actually have. Because you look at it as small. God has given some of you some talents. Some talents for you to use. But you know what? You see this instant culture. It needs to be now. Maybe the talent that God has given you is something that you need to work on gradually. And in time, he will be able to bless that which you have started. But you don't want that. God, I want something that's going to give me money now. Get rich quick mentality. I want that opportunity here and now. You see, Moses, when he went to God before he went to Pharaoh, he was saying, God, you know, you're sending me to Pharaoh, a big king, and I don't have nothing. I can't even speak properly. I don't have nothing. But God said, what is in your hands? What is it that's in your hands? To Moses, he's just holding a rod. And to some of you, you're just like, oh, it's just a little talent. Oh, it's just, it's nothing big. But the thing is, on its own, it's nothing big. But with God in it, with God in it, that's the difference. With God in it. And many of you, you're not putting God in it because everything needs to be premature. It needs to be forced ripe. Premature marriage, premature business, premature everything has to be premature before the designated time. And you miss one crucial point. Can we turn to Philippians 4, from 4 to 13, please? As I'm rounding up. Philippians 4, 4 to 13. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Sometimes, again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious 
about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, brothers, whatever is true, what is it that you're thinking on? Whatever is true, continue. Whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any virtue, excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I want to skip, but there's a section that Paul speaks about because of time, where he says, I've learned how to be content in all circumstances. I've learned to be content. That contentment doesn't just come anyhow. It comes through the trust in God. He knew he, who he is serving. And when you know who you are serving, then you know how to trust. Trust Jesus, the source. Jesus, the healer. The one that bore all things, knows all things, and is in all things. His grace is sufficient. The Bible says, is there anything too big for God? And that's the question I will ask you. Is there anything too big for God? You see, when I look at the season I am in now, what helps me is remembering what God did in the past for me. What God did in the past. An abusive relationship that stole my identity. Getting rid of a tumor, being told that my left side of my face is going to be paralyzed. The past, seeing what God is doing. And I get up and I look in that mirror and I say, God, doctors said this, but you had other plans. Remembering what God has done. Knowing that I was so battered and shattered to the point where I tried to take my life. And you want me to forget what God has done? You want me to forget what God has done. I remember once they, they, had, they did an interview with me and they asked me, when you look back at your life, what is the reflection? What is it that you see? What, what is the main thing that you see from your reflection of looking back at your life? And I remember the sentence that came to me was, I almost killed that girl. I almost killed that girl. The same girl that some of you are saying, Mommy Mish, now because I'm encouraging you. How many people are you robbing of your testimony, of your story? How many people are you robbing of your pain? It's not just about reading the Bible from front to back and saying, Hey, I know the Bible. I can preach the Bible from back to front. What is it that you're doing with the word that God has given to you? When you're going through those situations, are you using that word to stand when everything around you wants you to fall? Are you learning how to be content in your season with what God has given you? My past season helps prepare me for now. Am I there? No. Am I still going through things? Yes. There was a point this week where I almost felt like I wanted to call Omar and say, you know what, I don't think I can do it because of all the attacks and all the things that the enemy wanted to bring my way. On Tuesday, I couldn't even breathe. I couldn't even breathe. And I was like, God, I was on my knees and I'm like, God, how, how am I going to speak to your people when I can't even breathe? And I'm here and I'm worshiping. And at the same time, I'm worshiping, my breath is going. And I'm like, God, I'm going to preach in a few minutes. And as I knelt there, God just said, just praise me. Just praise me. Just praise me. And I'm like, God, please, just, just sort this out. And God is saying, no, because I need you to see that it's not about you and it's not about your strength. 
as I was kneeling there, he said, it's not about you and it's not about your strength because I need you to see that there is power in who you are representing. And so you're going through some things and you just need to recognize that there's power in who you're representing. There is power. The enemy wants to silence you. He wants to take away what it is that God has deposited in you. But the Bible tells us that he's already won the victory. And so you don't pay attention to the tricks of the enemy, but you pay attention to the power that is in King Jesus. And you may be here right now and you're saying, but God, I've been waiting for the longest time. You don't understand. You don't understand the tears that I've been crying when I'm in my room at night. You don't understand. I don't have to understand because I'm not God. But he understands. The Bible says he's given us a high priest who can relate with our circumstances and our situations. I almost killed this girl because of what the enemy was telling me. I almost killed this girl. I don't know if anybody in here has ever gone to that length or that depth where everything you look around you, it's just dark and there is no light and you feel like no one understands and you feel like you're empty and you feel like you're lost and you feel like the easiest thing for me to do and the best situation is for me to leave this earth despite me having two children. I wasn't thinking about what I was doing to them at that time because I just wanted the pain to stop and God was calling me and he was saying I am here I just wasn't allowing him and there's sometimes you're just not allowing God to embrace you and that's all he wants to do he just wants to embrace you but you're just not allowing him to embrace you and I just pray that you're encouraged with this word today there's a designated time and there's a designated season and if you just feel at this moment that you've been going and you've been pushing along in your strength for too long, I know time is gone, but if you just want to come and kneel at the front for, you know, for us to pray with you, please do feel welcome. If you feel like I've been pushing and I've been pushing in my own strength, I've been taking some forced right steps and it's not done well for me. If you feel like, God, I am feeling so empty and nobody understands what I am going through. The altar is open for you. It's 